Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the M to my OJ. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Doing just fine. And our very own Juke. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I don't <laughs> understand the references because I'm old, but uh, out of, it's all right. Out of it's all right. At the end of the podcast, you'll know. You'll n- nope all of them. Uh, so the Ooh. Seahawks, the Seahawks, uh, I just, des- uh, I deserve that. <laughs> okay. So, so sorry. I'm already abusing it. We're Ooh, like two squared. minutes in the podcast. Um, so the Seahawks played a game this week, but there's a few other things we need to talk about because there was a big trade, guys. The Seahawks traded Ugo Amadi for JJ Arcega Whiteside, Arcega notable wider. Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside, most notably uh, drafted ahead of DK Metcalf and uh, Terry McLaurin. That's what he's most famous for because he's bad. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's talk about these players really quick. Ugo Amadi was probably on his way to getting cut because he hit playing time escalators that got him to $2.5 million this year, which is pretty expensive for a guy who's only having impact on special teams. I, I can't really think of any other reason they'd cut him because Justin Coleman got cooked and roasted in this game against Mitchell Trubisky and um, other various <laughs> bad Steelers quarterbacks. All the other all so, the articles like with Justin Coleman coming back. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I think so it's much. just the money because there's no, there's no way Justin Coleman played good enough in that game for them to be like, okay, well, Justin Coleman is it. Now, maybe they're thinking like, okay, we can use Kobe a little bit at, at nickel and we can use Marquise's back and he's looking okay. That that might jive with me a little better, but Justin Coleman did not look good in the first preseason game to me. Let's talk about the player we got, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Um, Kevin, did you did you dig up your scouting report with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? I have mine if you, don't, if you didn't. Uh, I didn't um, dig it out word for word, but I glanced it over uh, right after the trade happened. Um, so if you want to read yours real quick, yeah. I can talk about it. I mean – I'll just go over the cliff notes. He's a con- he was in college. He was a contested catch monster. Uh, he was very good at contested catches at the point of attack. In the pros, uh, he did not really have great separation skills, or his route running was just okay. But he was just really good at when you threw a fifty-fifty ball his direction, making the catch. In the pros, so far, he has proved to be a very good pa- uh, run blocker. And so the Eagles were trying him out as like a second tight end and flexible wide flexible receiver kind of piece. Um, I imagine the Seahawks might be doing something similar where he might play both positions. He's not exceptionally fast, so I don't suspect I don't expect him to have an impact on special teams. It seems like he's on his way to getting cut by us also, but I could be wrong. Kevin, what do you think about JJ? Uh, yeah, it's the same thing that you're saying in college. His big thing was contested catch. And uh, for me, uh, as I was kind of learning how to scout positions better, this is back for the 2019 draft. This is a few drafts ago. Uh, a valuable lesson I learned about wide receiver is um, to get a better understanding of which skills translate to the NFL better than others. Um, yeah, this is why you'll notice over the last couple of years, uh, I think both Nathan and I have hammered uh, the best you can do is be a separator. Yeah, like I was not super into Drake London. And I'm, I continue to not be super into Drake London. Why? Because he wasn't a separator in college. He was a he was a contested catch guy. And we saw with Nikhil Harry and and JJ Arcega Whiteside that these guys that struggle to create separation can be problem. Now the thing about Drake London is he if you get him the ball in space, he's dynamic. 
And so he might make it anyway. They're just going to have to scheme for him. Like He's a like much better athlete Debo. than uh, JJ was too. And yeah, Exactly. You can make up for athleticism. Like Debo is not a crazy separator or anything, but you get them the ball in space and he's electric. So so you 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 have to just kind of use these guys a little bit. Drake London, there's room for that player profile in the NFL now. Uh, I I wouldn't have taken him as high as they did. Is the biggest difference. I think that they... I think that's a reasonable one, especially like Jamison Williams is coming off an injury, but it's not like they're using London that much. It's, not like, it's not like Atlanta's going to be good. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, JJ Arcego outside. Uh, do we do we think he makes the final the final roster? Yes or no? If he makes the final roster, it's because Colby Parkinson shot the bed. That's a yeah, great I mean, way of putting it. He's yeah. he's got tight end size at wide receiver. I just don't see it it's, happening. It's a big no from me too. I I can't imagine him passing enough of the wide receivers or tight ends to to make even the the flexibility of position seem appealing. So yeah, I'm out. Uh, okay, the next one, D. Eskridge. D. Eskridge is really close with his hamstring. Eric, have you heard this one before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I it, it's not getting old yet. Yeah. So are you, are you excited? Do you think do you think that are we is it finally he's not going to play on th- Thursday? Do you do we see him at all this preseason? Do you ask Rich? Uh, I think you probably see him in game four. I mean, you got to see him if it's only for like three plays. You'll see him. But man, it's it's like Percy Harvin flashbacks. It's um, I don't know. It's I don't know how to tell you this, Eric. There are only three preseason games now. So oh, they, you have to, you have to, <laughs> oh, in, you, right. have, you have to invent preseason week four to get him to play. So you're saying That's he's not going to play one. then. That's just week one, man. <laughs> Guys, I, I got bad news as a Seahawks team. As a Seahawks fan, we got 20 weeks of preseason ahead of us. Oh, uh, it is kind of true. So, 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 so it may so be Groundhog has then. popped his head out and seen its shadow. We have 20 more weeks more of preseason. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so bad. We've we won so much that I'm I'm all right. We won bad season, but just um, okay. Okay, so it, actually, no, he's not playing the preseason. I don't think so either. I agree with you. Mariners playoff list season. If there was if there was a fourth preseason game between August 26th and September 12th, when our first regular season game is, yeah, maybe maybe we get uh, a D. Eskridge game, but I uh, yeah, I don't think he's gonna be back by August 26th. This guy is perpetually nursing a small injury, and I'm just so happy we took him over Creed Humphreys. This just brings me great joy. The obvious need position guy just sitting there and not drafting him so that we can make our now Denver Broncos quarterback happy. You know, uh, if Pete just, were here listening to you, he would he would just like quadruple down on the D. Eskridge. No, oh, no, of course he would. Know. No, no, this is the this is gonna be great, well, and that's as he's getting stretchered away. No, yeah. So speak, great things. Speaking of things, Pete says, uh, Kevin the stretcher Ken, has a wheel thing. Pete today said Ken Walker has a hernia thing. So uh, <laughs> should we get should we get the gir- should we get the gurney out and uh, put take him to the hospital if now? If he used like, the word thing, then I assume that all of his he, intestines are spilling out of the front of his body. He did use the word thing. Hernia that's, thing was the quote from Michael Sean. Bigger, okay, so, then yeah. uh, I would like to figure out where can I send the flowers to the ceremony. Yeah, he's, he's, um, I think he's, he's getting dead. the he's getting the red shirt. We're going to see him next year. Uh, the the, the Daryl Taylor experience is gonna, now coming to Ken Walker. Uh, okay, and P had one more thing to say. He said, "Gino's leading the quarterback competition, but Drew Locke's going to start." And then later in the conference, news broke. Psych! Drew Drew Locke has COVID. So what bothers you the most about this was, is it that he said Gino is still leading the QB competition? 
No, it's that I have to watch Jacob Eason in the second half of Thursday's game. Ooh, Jacob Eason. That's what bothers me the most. Gino might play like the whole game, dude. He might play three quarters and they bring in Eason for the fourth because that's not like you can't evaluate anything with Eason back there. No, and also Eason barely plays in practice, too, according to like the beat writers. Like he's just kind of Pete ran the scout team instead of Jacob Eason. I think that says everything. Yeah, Yeah, Pete. Well, I mean, yeah, because have you seen Pete move on the naked bootleg? I mean, he better. He probably has better field awareness than Jacob Eason does. So pretty good. So, uh. Eric, does it bother you that that Drew Locke is not being declared like the starter? It's just no. I I had explained this whole thing to my wife this weekend. She's like, uh, "How the Seahawks can be?" And so I was like, "That's a loaded question." And then eventually we got to the quarterback play, and I was like, "Pete's got to do this. He's got to like." One thing we've learned about Pete in ten years or whatever is that he's he's going to paint the picture he wants you to see. He is going to believe it one hundred percent, or at least make you think he does. And then you're probably going to be right all along. And and it will seem like it just progressed naturally. So this is and his to, narrative, and this is what he wants to tell us. To, today, Gino ran with the twos in practice. Uh, in the red zone drill, he went three touchdowns on four plays. Drew Locke, of course, went 0 for 4, bringing no clarity to the situation at all, just like the preseason game, which we, we can talk about now. So let's start with the offense. Um, pretty pretty mirrored performances from Drew Locke and Geno Smith. If you had to ask me like who I thought played better, I'd say I was a little more excited by the play of Drew Locke, although the uh, the, the jailbreak fumble where he, he admitted that he probably should have uh, audibled uh, hot or called hot to uh, to shift his coverage was pretty frustrating. Um, so did, the, did this game bring any clarity to the quarterback situation for you guys? Did you, are you, do you think that one of them pulled ahead or do you see it kind of similarly? I mean, it was 11 for 15 versus 10 for 15. Locke had both touchdowns, but they both had 101 yards passing. Uh, I mean, Gino had two of his passes dropped too, so he could have even done better than that. Drew Locke took two sacks. Gino took one. It was, it's pretty, it seems like a total wash to me. These, these, the, at least from a on-field performance standpoint. Eric, do you have any thoughts before I go? Uh, I'll, I'll do my quick thoughts. Cause yeah, it does seem like a wash. I mean, these are, they feel pretty evenly matched right now. I want to say Drew Locke's going to be better based on potential because we haven't seen him as a member of the Jets, you know, for like two years. Um, But yeah, it's right. There's a big age difference here. 25 versus I think what Gino's 32. Yeah. And I don't, nothing against Gino. I I just really want Drew Locke, but yeah, right now it's, I, I feel like if, if Drew Locke hadn't fumbled game would have been his, but reality is Drew Locke fumbled. And that 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 jailbreak play, I mean, it's just it's tough. It's tough to know like exactly what went wrong there. But when Drew Locke just comes out and says and he seems very forthcoming about his own shortcomings, which yeah. I like about him. Um, and he says, like, yeah, that was kind of my fault. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think Darwin right, well. Thompson should have known to chip there. But like, he's right. He came up. He didn't evaluate things before the snap. He was just trying to get the play started. Um, yeah. I think that's a play, a play that's being held against him that I kind of disagree with, though. There are people saying that his throw to Colby Parkinson that would have been a touchdown was a bad throw, like he hung his receiver out to try. Dude's like a 6-7 tight end, and he put him in a spot where he was going to take a shoulder from a corner. Like, this was not like putting him over the middle against Cam Chancellor. 
I thought that was a pass that Colby Parkinson should have come down with. I liked the risk taken to make that throw because that would have been a big time touchdown throw if Parkinson could have reeled it in. Yeah, it's it's um, it's tough. You know, I I don't I don't know like the the that throw. I agree. It's it's not hard to hold in some. The, the offense looks snappier with Drew Lock, and we can see like that the the offense here like the time to throw. Geno Smith was 3.34 yep. seconds time to throw and Drew Locke was 2.52. And I think like that's, that's the huge. biggest difference for me is that the offense just looked snappier with Drew Locke behind center. I don't think right now that anyone, at least if we're only judging based on on-field performance and not the other intangible things, which is like, I think they should just start Drew Locke just to see what they have um, to see if he's worth someone worth pursuing. We know Geno Smith is probably not a great NFL quarterback to merely just like a, a backup level player. So, I I would prefer to start that Drew Luck, but like that's my there was no real on field performance indicator for me. Now No, I feel like the performances were mostly a wash. There's just two things that Gino did in this game that summarized two problems I have with him. Because his two minute drill offense was good. Um so as a part of holding the ball, what Gino does is when he feels pressure, which he doesn't have great pocket presence, and sometimes he feels pressure when it's not really bad. He tends mm-hmm. to drop his eyes, and so he's not looking to get rid of the ball. And it take he basically has to scramble around, do a full reset, and then throw. Yeah. Which is why in the two-minute drill, when he just took off and ran for a first down, or took off and got a couple of yards, it the offense progressed much better because it didn't have to wait for him to evaluate the pocket, drop his eyes, move around, reset, reset his eyes, reset his feet, and then throw. Like, that's just mm-hmm. not really a thing you can do in the NFL. The other thing is, and I know it drove you nuts too, uh, Nathan, was um, the throw to Colby Parkinson on third and 12, where he threw it for five yards, where it had zero chance of getting past the six. Like, sure. that did not make a significantly and easier field goal, and it had no chance at a first down. Exactly. Like, it's not going to make the field goal easier. Just go for the first down. All right, let's talk about some, some things that went. There were some players that on offense that looked really good, though. So let's start off with... With I think like the the uns the star of this game, you know the guy who who was really the best. Where is the beef? That's right, yeah. beefy boy Phil Haynes. Phil Haynes killed it in this game. Uh, he was so good. Played forty nine snaps. Pro Football Focus graded ninety point six, ninety one point one run blocking. He was out there just doing work, doing Phil Haynes stuff. Played both guard nice, spots. It was nice to see him finally get like a real opportunity. It felt like. Felt like so many times, like opportunities, either he got hurt at the wrong time, right? And it just took away his opportunity or he I just, and it's finally just now we're, now we're here. He's, he really got his shot and he killed it. And they've said that he is in the guard competition, that he is right there with everyone else fighting to be a starting guard on this team. Um, I would love to see him start over Gabe Jackson. I think that that, it, that would be awesome. It'd be a big big move for this team it would be a move into a younger Literally. player yeah it felt hey he's a beefy boy dude 26.8 every move he makes is a big move so so yeah he's a beefy he's a beefy boy so yeah that that was a beefy boy was a big highlight for me i just he looked really good he's he is a good football player but it wasn't the only offensive line that men that looked good um phil stone abe these guys uh these guys charles cross like these guys were just there were so many guys out there. These tackles played really good in this game. I was really impressed by 
um, some of the tackle play. There's that play of Abraham Lucas that's getting passed around that where he just killing people. But Charles Cross continues to be just offensive lineman porn, pornography uh, for for people who like to watch offensive line play. Never Sometimes gets beat. Charles He's, Cross is just boringly excellent. He never gets beat. He's so smooth in the pass game. I mean, just the best pass blocker you can. If you built a an elite pass blocker out of composite, you might end up with Charles Cross. <laughs> like he's just that good. For people that have trouble evaluating offensive line, here's what I'll compare it to. Uh, so you know when a quarterback just has like incredible natural arm strength, and so they're trying to make a deep pass, and so they're doing like a twenty yard out, and it looks like they just kind of flick the ball, and it like hits its spot. And then you look at another guy have to do it and they have to like double pump and to like a, clutch. To a tonga to a tonga of Iloa. Yeah, and, and and you're going and so when you watch the when you watch the guy with the arm strength do it, you're like, oh, that's a pretty easy throw. And then you watch like four other guys do it, and you're like, oh never mind, that guy just does that. And that's Charles Cross. Like the way that Charles Cross just effortlessly like there was a play that gave me so much heart. It was in uh, Baldi's breakdown. Um, mm-hmm. He isolated the clip, but you can see it in the game. There's uh, a play there and it happened a couple of times where they did just a little cross stunt with the uh, uh, D tackle in the edge. And uh, trying to me- trying to mess with the rookie, trying to trying to get to mess up the rookie, which is a good strategy normally. Yeah, it's absolutely something that normally works, except, you know, you just watch Charles Cross bench press the edge into uh, Damian Lewis and then catch the uh, looping tackle like it's absolutely nothing because it is for him because He's that's so normally good. a hard play. But the dude's just really good at playing offensive line. I think uh, our offensive line is going to be a strength this year. And if it's not a strength this year, it will definitely be a strength next year yeah like this is this they have really built uh they have built the foundation here for offensive line now that that foundation of offensive line it helped another group of players eric eric it helped the running backs a lot of running backs looked really good in this game we didn't get any rashad penny because of course running rashad penny was uh injured (laughs) but but uh He's he's supposedly back on Thursday. We'll lose Kenneth Walker to the hernia, but we'll regain Rashad Penny. Apparently, there can um, only be only, one. There can be only one. They're actually the same uh, person. Now, <laughs> those two guys are those two guys are like a deadlock to make the roster. Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker. But do we gain any clarity about who the rest of the running backs will be? DJ Dallas, Travis mm-hmm. Homer, Darwin Thompson. All these guys looked pretty good. Are are we keeping five running backs? What's going on here, Eric? I think we're doing something crazy. I think we're going to keep four running backs. Uh, okay. Looking at this, I I don't think Darwin has a chance. To, I mean, he has a chance to make the roster. I don't think it's likely. I think that Travis Homer is like he refuses to be odd man out. That's that was my hero in the game. Was like, oh wow. So you're telling me pass block, god. Yeah, tr- and sixteen. That sixteen yard run where uh where Abe just ethered that guy and put him <laughs> in the dirt, and then Homer Homer came behind him and then ran into the who, who was that was who was that downfield blocking Derek, Derek, Derek Young. Right? Yeah, he's not. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, the, the it receiver. Was a, yeah. It was a wide receiver. It's a uh, it's a uh, friend of the podcast. Um, I can't remember. Uh, They're all friends of the podcast. No, I Derek Dar- Young. <laughs> no, we. I have my wife has a client, and uh, my wife, my wife. A, yeah, say, come I on. Where's bu- that? I need, a bu- I need a button for yeah, that. Where's yeah. that soundboard clip? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm good for that. Like once every three podcasts. But one of her clients, uh, his uh, his son is uh, she's. Uh, one of the wide receivers who is not cut yet. So um, anyway, no, Travis Homer refused to go silently into the night. I mean, this guy was laying blocks. This guy was laying hits. He was going down after getting hit. Uh, and then DG Dallas is still, I think, growing into his form and showing that he can play. 
I'm watching those two guys because I think Walker and Rashad Penny are locks to make this team. DJ had one a thing, night, that, man. Yeah, they the running backs just played good in general, and I I I think that if you know Darwin Thompson plays good enough, they might find another spot to trim because those guys can contribute on special teams quite a bit. And if them. we're really going run heavy, which you know we are, you're going to need more running backs, and why right. not just and maybe run it down maybe, everyone's throat. Maybe Ken Walker starts on the pup because of this hernia thing, right? right. So yeah, like, then, right. and then 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 it makes it easy for us. Uh, okay, wide receivers. Uh, wide receiver to me that the thing that stood out for me in the receivers is Noah Fant. Uh, Noah Fant, Mister Fantastic, uh, two catches, twenty yards. But like, there is no camp buzz around Noah Fant, and I kind of just forgot that he was on our team. And then I was like, oh yeah, this guy's really super good at football. <laughs> that's that's it. That's the end of the that's the end of my Noah Fant comments. Cool. I know. And then after being good, the only thing anyone talked about with him after, after the end of the preseason game was that he missed the toe tap on that one Geno pass. It's yeah. like, yeah, but like he was open for that really nice out route. Like, yeah, I, he's like, yeah. he's a legitimate third target on this team. He's he's so good. And he, yeah, he lined up in the slot six times, which I thought was interesting. And then after he left the game, Colby Parkinson lined up in the slot four times, which makes me think. They're going to put tight ends in the slot a lot. And Tyler Mabry did it three times. They're going to put tight ends in the slot a lot this year. I think they're we're going to see something. a lot of two tight end sets with Disley in line and Noah Fant out in the slot. Right, exactly. They're going to do some things where they, they start with two tight ends and then one guy steps off the line into the slot to try to create a matchup problem where Noah Fant's getting covered by an outside linebacker or something, which is a problem. Yep. If he's on the outside with room to do a release, that will create that will create matchup problems. And that will be cool. anyone under six foot. The offense... The offense will actually be able to move the ball. Uh, Young got a lot of burn. I wasn't like super into Young, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, The plays where he didn't catch the ball, he was like basically invisible. Um, And he had that drop that really irritated me. He also Um, looked kind of like just a worse version of what Bo Melton was giving us as a catch and run guy. Bo Melton also had a drop. I I hate concentration drops. It's like my pet peeve. So I I can't, I can't be, I cannot um, be, uh, fair about either of those guys. <laughs> I cannot give an impartial um, evaluation of this. Exactly. They pissed me off. <laughs> Honestly, though, like oh, there, one thing that was interesting was oh, there's a lot of halfback throws, a lot of swing passes, a lot of halfback dump offs, things that we generally did not see in the Russell Wilson offense. Check um, down, check and down, check down, check down. And the, those moved the chains, which mm-hmm. is what you want to see. We It's the thing that's been missing from this offense is plays that move the chains. Honestly, we... There was ten, there was ten first downs created in the past game, and a bunch of them were running back dump offs. Um, the this team, uh, the offense will improve a lot if that if that trend continues. I actually thought the offense looked okay overall. I was actually pretty pleased with the offense. Something I wasn't pleased with was exactly. the the was the defense. <laughs> the Ooh. defense. The defense was not good, and we know there is lots of guys who are missing from what will be our starting defense. No, both our starting corner, all of our starting secondary was out. Yep. Right. Whatever you think about Sidney Jones and Artie Burns, um, we definitely like Jamal Adams and and uh, Quandre Diggs on this podcast. But whatever you think about those guys, they were all not playing. Uh, so that is a significant part of our defense, something that will tilt the field in our direction a little bit. That just was not there. Also, Brooks um, so, was out, and man, that was noticeable too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We got a healthy dose of. Uh, Nick Ballore at linebacker. And I just want to say, I would like to keep the doses unhealthy from this point forward. 
um, because that the healthy the healthy dose did not do it for me. I love Nick Malora. He's a great special teamer. I actually think it's cool that he has you know sub at linebacker, sub at fullback uh, capability. But that is a uh, the sub at linebacker is a breaking case of glass that situation. Was a no moss situation. Yeah. Break break it. It's it's a it's a good it's a good thing to have around in an emergency, but not something that we want to be forced to lean on. It's like I if your is punter is your number four quarterback, you're like, well, I guess that's a thing. But like, no, in no fact, thank you. Did, I mean, I don't want to slag on Belor because I don't think any of the linebackers looked very good. Did 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 you? I didn't think Barton looked good. I didn't think Muse looked good. No. I, uh, uh, you know, so about a guy Barton, I thought looked interesting. Oh man, yeah, like. like yeah, he was he was all over the place. Um, I felt like in general, our linebackers had a lot of trouble uh, hitting their they, uh, appropriate run lanes. That's exactly it. They weren't in the place. It was driving me crazy. It's like, where you, you? What are you guys doing? You're just getting washed out of every play. You're not even where you're supposed to be. It was so it was so frustrating to watch. Yeah, I felt like Vi Jones popped a few times, but lacked the consistency that I want. But he's a guy right. who I kind of liked him as a UDFA. And I'm interested in watching him like develop. Like he had that, uh, this the sack where he ragdolled Kenny Pickett. Yeah, um, the sack was. He had good. a couple. Of, he had a couple other hits like that where it was it was interesting. But uh, but then like a lot of the other backups just kind of disappeared, and you never saw them even make a play. Uh, By Jones had stretches where he where you didn't really notice him, but he at least popped a few times. So I'm interested in seeing him get a little bit more play time to see if he could develop into a depth linebacker. Yeah, well, one pass rush, rush, one pass rusher looked extremely good in this game, Eric. That was Mr. Biceps, rookie Boye Mafe. Uh, three r- pressures, two sacks, a really notable missed tackle, but made up for it with the, <laughs> the pass rushing. Boye Mafe was just everywhere on defense uh, for the for the time he was in the game. I was very impressed. What do you think of a uh, What do you think of our our new look young path pass rush. Did Mafe stand out to you as well? Yeah, I had, I have expectations that he's going to be a plus player for us this year. I had no expectations for week one of the preseason. I thought that he'd be all over the place. I thought he would be the Seahawks defense. Like late, not filling lanes. Wow. This guy shows promise, but he's, he just needs to hone his craft. Instead. He was like the most polished guy in the field. Um, yeah. the Mr. Echo was fine by me just because of what he put together. Also, right, the he, plays, had three, he had three other run stops, right? Like yeah. he just had a good, good game besides that. And the, the one thing about on the strip honest, sack, yeah. Yeah. And edge edge players or players on the defensive line that aren't just mashing the middle. Uh, my, my washing machines and my dryers, uh, players like that, when they're involved in a play and nothing happens, meaning mm-hmm. you can see them in the play, but they're not affecting the play. That means something to me, and Boyamafe had that all night long. Like you could just, just see, just... he was he was occasionally grabbing the double team. He was getting around just a little late, um, it, working those tackles for sure. Yeah, like he, he wasn't. Was making, he's making those tackles work. He wasn't pushed out into nothingness, which is yep. that's a big thing for a rookie. Yeah, I would now, say Mafe, uh, Nosu, and Taylor all did a good job of, like, despite like Taylor had some really bad snaps and uh, Nosu. I wrote Taylor. Taylor had very high highs. He had a couple really nice <laughs> yeah. plays and he had very low lows. Um, he got there was one play where he got he the tackle. <laughs> when he like jumped the, and the got team were, pancaked. The, 
the team we're playing is not have very good tackles. He gets kind of washed out of the play. So he tries to jump to affect the throwing lane and the, the guy just body slammed it. I was yeah. like, like, like D'Lo Brown sit out uh suplex. I was, or something. Yeah, exactly. It was like the it was like the Ron Simmons spine buster. Like he just threw him straight to the ground. And I, I was like I was thinking in my head, man, he got beat twice on this play because the first time he doesn't beat the tackle to get the to get the pressure, which is bad. Then he tries to make up for it by not quitting, which I appreciate. Actually, I appreciate the effort, motor, but then yeah. he got but then he got beat <laughs> again <laughs> because of that. He got beat twice on this play. Like they're gonna watch the tape and they're gonna be like, Man, bro, like I appreciate the effort, but dang, you got killed twice on this PFF play. That's score so negative sixty four on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's very bad. And he missed he missed tackles. He and there's one play where the big run play in the in the first drive they had third down and I think like two to go, their tackle just seals Daryl Taylor off the edge and then of course our our incompetent linebackers are not not they're completely washed out of the play so with him getting beat sealed so hard they got like 16 yards yeah because um, the linebacker couldn't even tackle him you know four yards downfield for the first down yeah. which, there were which so would no- many plays where our inside linebacker and our edge rusher ran into each other in the backfield like uh, taking the wrong uh, angle and wrong gap it was bad so this is what i think could go really wrong with our our team is that actually the secondary in general like the the young secondary um, the safeties and the corners. And I, I was like, all of these guys pretty solid. Not nobody stood out as exceptionally uh, bad to me. I mean, Woolen had some really bad mistakes. Woolen literally play- played the wrong coverage like three times. Right. He played the wrong <laughs> coverage a couple times. He was very handsy, but I think Woolen showed the the promise that you want from his skill set and the potential. Right. There's yeah. promise and potential there with Tariq Woolen. Um, you know there's going to be growing pains, and you don't expect him to start this year. No. I would say the expected number of starts to him for him to get this year is zero. He's out there to learn. He's out there to to do it, and I think he, he flashed. I mean, Pickens was really good in this game. That that toe-tap corner touchdown on Kobe Bryant by Pickens, that is good defense and nothing that Kobe could do about it because uh, that's just an amazing catch, just a really George Pickens. And um, Willen a uh, couple times, you know, shut shut Pickens down. I'm going to uh, push really back difficult. just a little bit on Kobe on your Kobe Bryant take. Um, I think there is one thing that he could have definitely done. I feel like he was playing body position and angles really well, but he was not playing physical to the receiver. And I think that's the thing he has to work on is he's going to have a lot of trouble with bigger or more physical receivers. Like George Pickens is actually just a bully. Like, go watch his college tape. There's video. There's a videotape, I want to say, where he, like, literally slams a dude off on the sideline. Um, so, like, this is a very physical example of it. But I would like to see Kobe get his hands in, like, a little more hand fighting with the receiver in order to keep himself from being physical off of his spot. I think that that was that was my one big critique for Kobe, which is something that you know that the defensive backs are going to talk to him about on tape as they watch it this week. And that's something yeah. that I would look to see change as things go. But he looks I mean, much cor- more ready to play than like Woolen, who needs a lot more seasoning. The corner I was most disappointed in was Coleman. I was dude. Coleman yeah. was getting roasted. And I was I was like, dude, you're the this he's the veteran out there, right? Like none of these other guys uh, Bubba Bolden, Marquise Blair, Ugo Amadi, like they're all it's a bunch of rookies and then Coleman. Coleman should be the guy that we could count on to be a rock. And he he just felt like he was just not playing up to his usual standard. Which yeah, is, whatever Gunnar Ochesky was, uh, he doesn't want to see one again. Gun, yeah, Gunnar Ochesky, man, just getting that 
20 was 25 yard catch right in Justin Coleman's face. Um, it's like when Byron Coleman Maxwell came back, man. That's what reminded me <laughs> of. Seriously, like that that wound up being a a player on our team. You think it, he's gonna get the old Antoine Winfield cut? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I I feel like he's gonna turn it around. Lord, I hope so. I think he will too. I just he wasn't out there for very long, and I I do think that he got roasted on that play, but he will watch it and f- start to figure it out. And like you said, maybe it is a Byron Maxwell situation where we just have to end up getting rid of him. Uh, D. Defense and what did you guys think about the new look defense? The the with the two interior guys and then the edges were always standing up and stuff like that. Did you? Um, I know it's hard because a bunch of guys were missing, but do you do you guys think this new look defense is going to make a, a big difference for us, or is it? Um, are is it going to help our pass rush? Because the big the big problem with this defense right now is like as I see it is that if unless Mafe is you know really going to have ten sacks this season this is a team that will maybe struggle to generate a lot of pass rush. Is this, is this going defense going to help us? What do you, what do you think about our first look at the three, four kind of uh, system? Or, I have a longer like, take. You want to take this first? It seemed, yeah. it seemed, it seemed weird. Like it seemed like we had, it was like a lot of two, two, four with an extra defensive back. A lot of, does that, yeah. You know, yeah. You, yeah. Um, so I would rather see a clear three, four. I, I think we, I will give it an incomplete this week. Nothing really looked promising. It just kind of looked it, like a, a game. That, it didn't look it didn't look that different because there were so many times we lined up with four guys along the line. When if we're really committing to this defense, when the extra defensive back comes in, which should be three guys on the line. And there's you know, there's one thing that I I started to think. Then I was like, no, wait for honestly all three games, or at least certainly two of the preseason games, <laughs> not four. Uh, is I thought, is Pete going to do that thing where he changes the defense, but then drops a lot of guys in coverage, so it's the same defense? So remember how we were running nickel out of nowhere? I, I completely agree with what you're again? saying. It. I started like really worrying. I was like, just chill. Uh, don't bring it up on the podcast this week. And here I am. So that's, that's well. I mean, thing. I agree though. Like I do feel like it. It it didn't look as different as I expected. I was expecting more differences, and I'm really it looked like. The same defense, but the defensive ends were standing up instead of in a three-point stance. So I would disagree. <laughs> okay. um, I felt like there was a mixture of uh, two and three down linemen, uh, depending on which personnel packages were in. Like when Alden Robinson came in, he mostly had his hand in the dirt, and we had uh, three down, including him. Um, okay. Otherwise, uh, we ran some that looked more like a three-three-five look or a 425 look uh for a nickel but one of the uh but like i feel like when i specifically watched i was looking for is the nose lining up over the center okay. and that barely happened i would agree with that and that that's that's what i'm that's that's like a hallmark of if we're really running this defense to me is like is the nose over the center it is and it's just that was not what we were doing it so like is is it different maybe a little but like I I really don't feel like it was I felt like they weren't commit I felt like it, it felt like um like a half step like a, like they didn't really commit does that make sense mm-hmm. like a, like a, oh we're we're trying it but maybe not I don't know I want them to commit I want them to like I want them to put Brian Monet in the center right in front of the center and be like hey push that center over and when the play starts you know crash crash the pocket from the middle or like take up three of these guys on a run play by just like being your gigantic amazing self 
because he is he's huge and amazing and that's like what i want to see uh and i just felt like they either they're hiding it right which is definitely a possibility i'm not taking that away there's definitely a possibility that they're like hey we're going to kind of reveal this as the season goes on because it is a big difference and it's something that when the regular season starts could really mess up other teams if they if all of a sudden we kind of just just put that little wrinkle on it you know um so anyway that that's kind of also alton robinson Man, I have such high hopes for him, but I am starting to, I'm starting to worry. That he's I feel just like not he just doesn't fit in any fit. defensive scheme. Exactly, he's just not, not a perfect fit for for like any defensive scheme that that we are going to be running. He's like the JJ Arthega Whiteside of uh, defensive linemen. Like <laughs> his his skill set just doesn't like really fully translate to any position in the NFL. It gives me the the, the depression. So, um, okay. So, so something we're watching for this week is like, how, um, do the, do they continue to flesh out these new concepts? Uh, my um, two, what to watches I have are, oh yeah. So like, yeah, that's what, that's what, that's my number one. What's, what are you guys, what, what are you guys looking for in the pre next preseason game? Obviously the number one would have been Drew Locke versus Gino, but, uh, <laughs> uh but COVID. Um, so anyway, yeah. So on my notes for offense, I was like, how does Walker, oh, well, I want to see what Locke look, oh. How does the O line look? <laughs> it was just O line. We're just O line watching again. Yeah, it's, it's O line watching, which Charles, is delicious. But you know, Charles Cross and then Lucas versus Stone, which I think is going to turn into a, a heck of a camp battle. It looked like Curran; they were really trying to see what he had at guard. Yeah, um, after the first, they gave him right tackle for the first two series, moved him into guard. He definitely looked like a right tackle. Yeah, I would not play him <laughs> at guard during the regular season if I could avoid it. But I do think it's important because it gave us a clue, in yes. my opinion. Which is that they see Curran as a guy who's going to be filling in, Jamarco. not as a guy who is a starter. And so they want to see what he has at guard to see if he's worth keeping as a guy who can fill in at multiple positions. Because Stone Forsythe cannot. Nope. Stone Forsythe is a tackle. Uh, Abe Lucas cannot. Abe Lucas is a tackle, and right? Tackle. And then, of course, Charles Cross is going to start a left tackle. So like we don't have to worry about that. But like those guys are tackles. So if, if Curran can fill in multiple positions this team likes to keep nine offensive linemen and that could give them the flexibility to do so but they really got to see what he has at guard um and so far i would give that uh in progress i would have thought it i actually thought if you would have just asked me like in the blind like could, could it work i'd have been like yeah maybe because he he's a really good run blocker and i think like i feel like run, run blockers eat when they when they get moved inside but uh, and he was still good you know, at that on the inside, but it, the pass blocking was a pass, struggle bus. The pass blocking was still a problem, which I thought it would have cleaned up a little bit. Yeah, no, they got right up underneath him. Yeah, weird. Anyway, so we're on offense. We're offensive line watching. Offensive line watching and Kevin Cassis watch. That's the guy. <laughs> Kevin, is, oh, you figured out the guy's name. Might be friend, you, uh, Yeah, I was like, that's ah, with K's. I'm gonna screw it up. I gotta Google it. So. I hope his middle name doesn't also start with a K. Oh, well, you God, know, then, then, he's, then he's an automatic cut. <laughs> Pete'll Pete'll say he's and got a definitely name not thing. cut with a C. Um, what, uh, yeah. He's got a he's got a middle name thing. Is there anything else you guys want to see in offense? That's it. Just like I'm, yeah. I'm kind of interested because these back of the roster wide receivers, none of them stood out to me in this particular game. And like, are we're going to keep Eskridge? That competition is tight. Like, is Kay Johnson versus Bo Melton versus? D- Derek Young, like those guys. See, Kate Johnson are... made a catch with his hands and not his body. It was amazing. <sighs> it was weird. I didn't. I didn't know about that. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I th- I'm watching wide receivers. Can wide receivers get going? Because I know our tight ends are good. 
I'm very aware. Our tight ends are pretty solid. I know our running backs are good now. Our running backs are really solid. Our offensive line's not bad. Um, what are, what is our wide receiver for? What's our wide receiver five look like? And our quarterback's trash. We are, we, we already know, but what flavor of trash is it? Is it lock flavored or Gino flavored? Uh, we won't get to, we won't get any answers to that this week. All right. Uh, defensive battle. All right. I have a uh, weird one. Go ahead. Give me the defense. What are you looking for? Okay. So this is kind of niche. I want to uh, see. This is very on brand for you to do something that's niche, just so you know. I want to see what our pass rush looks like with our better defensive backs. Okay. So one of the problems was that our DBs were getting beat like a drum. And so we either had quick pressure or no pressure. And so I kind of want to see, like, if Burns and Jones are back in, um, if uh, Diggs is playing but even if Diggs is not playing, I felt like our safeties, our safeties were a little better than our corners. Um, if we get more of our uh, starters back at defensive back, I want to see what the pass rush looks like. Um, like when, so a pass rusher usually needs an initial plan of attack. They need a counter and then they need a move if they get like, if they get blocked. And we never got to see that move if they got blocked or very rarely did we because they didn't have to hang on to the ball that long. So for three younger pass rushers that are kind of the central pieces for it, Mafe Taylor and Nwosu, I want to see what their pass rush plan looks like for the first two seconds and then for the next two seconds on those longer developing plays. Yeah, I'm, I'm on nose tackle watch. I want to see I want to see nose tackle nose noses lining up over the center. That's what I'm watching for uh and on the defense eric how about you uh i want to see linebacker watch that's really where i'm at our linebackers are so bad i'd really like to see cody barton make this team um yeah is is there someone other than jordan brooks who can play linebacker on this team and that's what we need to find out here and cody barton i mean for him to have a bad game last uh, last week was just i don't know man like you know he should he he should have been the leader of the defense right like he should have been in this situation he should have been like the like the leader, right? Yeah, he and so should have been kind of his defense. He's, he's in the shown flashes in his brief NFL career, and at this rate, I'm wondering if like, oh, if that's all he had, it's just flashes. Because now it's time to be consistent. And actually, you know, we cut Bobby Wagner for you, Dude, or we, you we didn't don't resign. Say that. That's terrible. We didn't resign Bobby Wagner for you. That's it, there's a little truth to that, and we made way for the youth movement, and so you, you better step up, bruh. There's a little truth to that. That's like the global warming has uh, corresponded to the decline of piracy in the Caribbean. All right, uh, Eric, did you see? That. Did you see DJ Dallas? Um, DJ Dallas said that he his favorite player was Brandon Tanev, and then he they like took their, their <laughs> team pictures to look so like, like the same. It's so funny. Um, okay, and then another thing, just I'm going to be watching just in general. Michael Bennett commentary, very good. Yeah. Very oh, dude, and real Rob. Michael. Michael Bennett, go, what was the favorite Michael Bennett sideline moment? Was it when he asked There's, Pete why he traded him? <laughs> exactly. Uh, first question for you, Pete Carroll. Uh, everyone wants to know, why did you trade me? <laughs> they had good he's rapport, so, though. It was still so funny. It was funny. It was. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah, it was exactly what I thought we wanted. Yeah, it's awesome. I was super into it. It's it great. Yeah, that uh, whole, that whole announcer team, like the all the combinations of it, uh, real Rob, uh, 
everybody up in the booth, like people knowing when to step out of the way and let people talk. I feel like it was great. They did. They I feel like they set them up for success by putting them with like an old hat pro, like um, uh, with the the Fox guy. What's his name? Kurt Menefee. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Menefee. Exactly. Putting him with like a guy who's just been around forever doing play by play, like really to glue the booth together, I think was perfect because those guys are all pretty new to this and it, it lets them kind of find their way in the situation. And I mean, what I like about the way is that NFL, a lot of these teams are using these preseasons as like, Hey, we're going to let guys try out being a broadcaster, right? We're going to let real Rob Trout doing color. We're going to let Michael Bennett Trout being a sideline reporter, the, the Rams, you know, their color commentators, Mina Kimes, right? Like we're going to tr- let people kind of flex these muscles and try it out and see if this is for them. If this is what they're, they're, you know, if they want to try to now they can put it on a resume, right? They can say, hey, Fox, hire me to be your F minus team so I can, you know, be the person who's doing Jacksonville versus Houston week five. Well, and Rabel <laughs> right, right. isn't going to be around forever. Right. Yeah. To, uh, yes. We, eventually we will need a radio replacement. I don't want to talk about it, though. Yeah, it's um, okay. depressing, but like it'd be cool if it was somebody like Real Rob or something like that. That would be like the most appropriate way that could end up going. There are many ways to support the CX Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to only12s.com. Click anywhere on your screen. Be like Riley and pledge $1.24 a month and join the, the Patreon. We got Patreon comment content coming in hot now. Uh, pay, the first Patreon comes in, but I'm honestly, at this point, we want to know what you want to hear. Uh, we want to know if did you like the Patreon picks from last year? Do you want to hear more kind of fantasy football or other content? We, we want to do that to, uh, we want to meet your needs on the Patreon podcast. Uh, how do you want it? What, what extension of this show do you Hit us want up with Patreon messages or the Patreon channel in the discord? Let us know yeah. what type of content you're looking for. So thanks to patrons new and old. We've got, oh, here we go. Uh, Andy, Brett, Cooper, do it all for the Tucci. Evan, Floctimus, Greta, James, Jose, Lucas, Rad Dad, Nikki C, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick. Thank you guys for supporting the show. And everyone else who listens, watches, um, hangs out in the Discord. Um, I can't wait because the games are starting now. So now we can start, you know, maybe um, streaming a couple, talking during the games, you know, doing all the things that we like to do. Okay. Movie club, Eric. See you later. Yeah, um, so am I free to leave now? Yeah, you can go. Um, no, yeah, don't, no, uh, don't, 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 uh, don't, um, don't like actually leave. Yeah, the, just put, the, put my stuff room. down just, and take. And... Just, just put your headphones down and uh, take it, take a, take a fifteen. Come back, come back in about ten minutes. Uh, we're so. not going to talk about DK Metcalf's Nez Quick commercial. Okay, have a good movie okay, club. Okay, actually, guys. no, you know, you want to tell me that one? What do you think? What do you think about DK's Nesquik commercial? Uh, they couldn't have put him in like a strawberry Nesquik jersey that doesn't look like the Rams uniform. I don't know. Uh, it's my take. I, I don't know what to do about. Um, that's a weird partnership to me. The whole like chocolate milk and athletics connection with the now DK and Nesquik, and then you got the Clay Thompson drink chocolate milk after you work out thing. I, I don't know, man. That's so weird to me. I, can you imagine like going for a workout and then just chugging like a chocolate milk? You know, after? that's the thing that in like colleges and stuff. I know, but like that's weight. It's hey, so many calories. And it's you're just, a like, fat I feel kid like it's trying make... to lose weight. Total mixed messages. And it's a stuff. It's going to be a stomach it. cramp too. With that much dairy. I don't know. And I remember Russell Wilson, when he did his health kick, he said like the first thing his trainer made him get rid of was, was dairy. So yeah. And so he, he told him to eat the ball. Eat the ball. Eat the ball. All right, I'll see you later. All right, bye. <laughs> uh, okay, so me and Kevin are going to be talking about a film that we both saw in the theater. 
Uh, so if you also are like Eric and you have not seen the movie, nope, and you don't want things spoiled for you, we're going to go spoiler heavy. We're not going to shy around or, or talk spoiler free. We are going to uh, just give our full spoilerific review of the movie. Nope. Starring Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yoon, and uh, a few other people too. But uh, that this movie, okay, let's, let's start um, just kind of with the setup, right? So it starts out, opens up. We're, uh, We've got Keith David and yeah, uh, and Daniel Kaluuya, and they're training. They're training horses. They're hanging out, uh, and then there's this kind of the, cool shot, like where they're kind of giving each other a little bit of a hard time. Yep, talking. they're like talking to the. They're just shooting the shooting the shit. It's just they're they're horse trainers, you know. Yeah, we got we're talking about this, um, and then actually there no there's something before this. Sorry, there. So it's the movie cold opens with a soundstage. Yes, and it does. There's a, and it's and there's a, a really and there's like a, weird open. And there's and there's a, and you don't know what's going on. There's a chimpanzee and it's like you can hear kind of like banging and stuff. And then you see the chimpanzee and it's really bloody. And then there's. Um, you see the uh, legs sticking out and you hear it like. Yeah. Pounding. Right. And then so. OK. And then we go to the to the ranch. OK. And, and then the the ranch. Yeah. And then so all of a sudden, like a bunch of weird metal starts falling from the sky. And, uh, yeah. And then of course, you know, Keith David is dead. <laughs> That's like how the movie, o- the movie opens like with two really weird scenes. Um, so OJ, uh, OJ takes him to the hospital and yeah, he, he, they got, he got killed by a quarter. He kept the quarter. Uh, it's like a, it's like a talisman that shows up in various points in the movie. Um, but yeah, so then, so then now we've got, so now we've, we've, that's the, the first kind of clue as to what something strange is going on in the uh, in where do they where the where's this movie take place? It takes place in um uh takes place in California somewhere. It's uh so anyway, Kevin Kevin uh his internet died, so now we are, I'm I'm all alone. It's just me talking about Nope. So anyway, OJ tries to keep the business alive, but six months uh. So then he's he's trying to do a like a there, there's a TV show that he's going to appear on, and he he's he's not OJ is not good at at this whole uh, horse uh, famous person horse trainer thing. He's pretty bad at it, and so the he comes in and he his he's waiting for his sister. His sister is much more personable. Kiki Palmer plays his sister Emerald, and she's much more personable and uh, just different than. He's a lot more comfortable uh, with animals than he is with people. He exactly, and he so he gets mad because there people keep keep uh keep looking at the, the doing things around the horse that the he doesn't horse. like. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's like, hey guys, you know, like don't look the horse in the eye, don't do this. And then people are like flashing lights around the horse and like doing a bunch of weird stuff. And eventually the horse kick, kicks and everyone freaks out. So, um, that's that's like kind of they get fired. And now like OJ's, he's like hurting for money. There's nothing he can do. He's going to sell the horses. So this is where we get introduced to the character of Jupe, Jupe, Ricky Park. Jupe. Jupe. Uh, the second best by Jupe Steven, in film history. Steven Yoon. So Steven Yoon plays in this movie like a former child actor. Yep. Who, ha- who has now bought a like defunct Western themed uh, like theme park out in the hills. Yeah, and like a rebranded total, uh, it. Um... Like one of those, like uh, you see an ad for it on the side of the freeway, a tourist trap kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, and and he's he's got this this thing, and he's he's renamed it after his character from 
from the uh, from not the, the TV show, at the show beginning, he was but in. a different TV show. A TV, yeah, not the show at the beginning. A different TV show that he was in called uh, it was called Jupiter's or something. Or but anyway, he names the theme park Jupiter's Claim. So he's gonna he has plans now to uh, to kind of he's gonna build this western themed theme park, and he's gonna buy his horses from OJ. And OJ selling his horses just to kind of keep his ranch afloat, just doing that. And he, he's like, I got plans to buy them back and stuff, right? Like, but he he doesn't really have any. Yeah, he, any he really plans. wants to be able, like, yeah. His goal is to keep his business that he and his dad are doing that his dad built up. He wants to make sure that he keeps that going. But the thing is, like, he he's feeling that pressure of like he's not his dad, and he's and, feeling the failures really hard. And now Jupe offers to buy the to buy the whole ranch, you know, and he, and then there's a scene here where he tells the story of, um, the show is called Gordy's home of this, of this, um, yeah, it's basically Alf except replace Alf with a live chimp. Yes. And the, and the chimp, how it freaked out and it killed a bunch of people. And then, um, there's a part where that at the end, the, 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 he's like, the chimp's like covered in blood, but it goes in for a fist bump with jupe and, but jupe like plays it off. He's like, oh, yeah, you know that SNL sketch where Chris Kattan played Jupe? Oh, hilarious. He just killed it like Chris Kattan always did. It was so funny. But, like, I really love this performance by Steven Yeun because he's doing that thing where, like, you smiling this, through the PTSD. <laughs> right. You can just tell, like, oh, this guy has been through some serious stuff, but he he's just pretending like it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, he's just he's just he's just and like. So the thing that set Gordy off in the show was that they he opened this present and it was full of balloons and then the balloons popped against the hot lights in this in the studio. That's what freaked him out. And then like every time a balloon popped, he would freak out again. So he'd start to calm down and then a balloon would pop and he'd like start to go crazy again. And but what um, I respect is they never tell you this. No, they just you show just... you enough that you can put it together. And mm-hmm. that's a big theme in the movie is they give you enough of the pieces. There's a there's a couple of pieces at the beginning in the horse commercial. There's a couple mm-hmm. of pieces. Um, so right after Keith David's uh, character is killed, when they give the reason why he died, do you remember what they said? Like, uh, uh, yeah, there's stuff a fell uh, private out of an plane, private, bathroom. Private, private plane. Yeah, private plane. Some stuff just fell out of a private plane. Because it was like coins and random stuff like that. There's Correct. all these little pieces. The breadcrumbs in this movie are really good. So the, the thing... Um, so yeah, then another thing is that these, so OJ starts to notice that there are weird electrical interferences that when his dad died, all the power went out. There are strange electrical interferences near his horse. And then another one of his horses disappears. I mean, it runs off. I don't remember what that horse's name was. All the movie is segmented by names of uh, horses or names yeah. of uh, creatures. Animals. So so animals exactly so you know there's this so this horse gets taken so then they put a fake horse out um a him plastic and his sister. horse that they stole from jupe they up. stole from jupe yep they stole it from <laughs> jupiter's claim they went to jupiter's claim and they stole a fake horse and they're gonna put out a decoy because they want to see you know is this like is this a real thing or did like the horse just run away right well because that's the other so, thing is there's these weird noises right before yep. the horses would freak out Yep, there's weird noises, the electric, the electrical interference, stuff like that. So, um, they then they they also go to Fry's Electronics because <laughs> dude, at the this Fry point, seeds are so funny, dude. 
Well, yeah, because especially fries is out of business. I'm pretty sure that's why they used fries. They were like, because they probably had to pay like zero dollars to to whoever owns the rights to fries because it doesn't exist anymore. Um, they get this guy, um, Angel. His name is Angel, I think, in the movie yes. to set up these cameras. Uh, Who's they, trying so hard to be so helpful and getting shut down so hard? Yeah, he's trying uh, to get. He's uh, trying Brandon to help, but they don't really good here. They don't want him to. They don't want him to be involved. They like want. They want the because at this point they're like pretty sure something supernatural is happening. They want to catch it, and they're, so they're they're setting up the decoy horse. They put like a flag, a string of flags on it, so that they can see like if it gets pulled away, and then they um they're they're gonna they're gonna surveil it. They're gonna use these surveillance cameras to to see it, and so they go. Um, and then of course it happens. There's a, there's a big event. They, they, they start to see this UFO <laughs> suck up the horse and all this stuff's happening, but there's a praying mantis over the camera. So <laughs> yeah, it screws the up camera there. goes out because it gets interfered with. And so the only remaining camera has a bug on it. Yeah. It's a praying mantis on it. And so, you know, there's a scene where like Kiki Palmer's like trying to climb up there and like knock it off with like throwing stuff at it. And, uh, Daniel Kalu is like running away obviously. Cause he's like trying not to get uh, taken by the UFO. And so they, they um well they when it shows up a light shines down uh there's a swirling of like uh air that you wind. get to see there's a lot of wind there's a yeah. bunch of wind and you, then you see it getting like pulled up into the air right and then you can also see the the flags hanging off of the of the UFO now and like they didn't go all the way in and so um they they now uh they have they know there's something out there right but they don't have any proof but Brand- Brandon's back, dude. He's been watching the cameras at, <laughs> at Fox Electronics. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this, he's just he's just been sitting at Fry's watching the cameras. And, dude, that's and great when Angel's watching it and his coworkers slipping him a hard time. It's really good. Yeah, and he and then yeah, so Angel is watching it and he um he doesn't he doesn't uh, he notices that there's a cloud in the background and all the other clouds move, but this cloud never moves. And they're like, that's where it is. That's where the the UFO hangs hangs out. And so they're like, okay, all right. So now we know what, where it is. We can try to uh, try again, right? Try to get another capture of the footage. So they, at this point, they start to they start to try to convince a a, uh, a renowned cinematographer who is Michael like, Wincott, Antlers Holst. Yeah, he plays Michael Wincott. I feel like they were like, okay, hey, dude, we need you. We need you to be. Um, what's the the guy who is dreadful. <laughs> they, they, we need you to be that guy. Uh, what's that guy? What's that guy's name? I can't think of it right now. I, I can I do this? A hundred percent have it if you didn't say that. But now I'm so distracted. Um, um, no, you had that great cameo on Parks and Recreation. This is there are people yelling at the at the thing right now. Um, uh, you literally did entire. Uh, skit last or a uh, bit last Werner Herzog they Werner told him Herzog. to be Thank Werner you. Herzog okay so they told him to be Werner Herzog well they gave and, him a uh, bunch of like coffee ground cigarettes and broken glass to chew just to make his voice as Michael Wincott as possible before this yeah like having great. him and Keith David together in this movie talk about a great voice lineup really yeah. good bit parts so he um Michael Wincott's in here doing and just being a weirdo. And so he, he's got an IMAX. He comes in with like an IMAX hand cranked IMAX film camera and he's gonna, he's gonna do it. And at this point, uh, OJ is fairly certain that this is not a, uh, this is not a UFO. It's a, it's just a, it's an extraterrestrial animal. It's like a, it's like a, you know, like a lion from a, from space. 
And so he nicknames it Jean Jacket, which is like one of the horses that that um that they used to have when they were kids, and um that kind of always did its own thing. And they they now so at first Michael Wincott's like I'm not going to help with this, but then Jupe Jupe does something just just out of bounds. <laughs> Jupe decides he's going to take one of the horses and he's going to use it to put on a show for people to bait the UFO out, the the monster out, and they'll all see the horse get eaten and it'll be like, great. Well, no, no, because well, he doesn't think it's a monster. He thinks it's going to be like first contact. Yeah, I I'm, I don't think he thinks it's a monster for sure. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, he thinks right. it's like uh, extraterrestrial beings. And so he's going to uh, have the horse out so that it comes down and they can make first contact and get to be you know, the, the center for the first contact of humans and the extraterrestrials. And oh boy, does he get what he bargained for? Yeah. The, the, um, the monster comes down and eats everyone. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I, I was like that, that scene was so the way they filmed it too, with a like, showing all the people get sucked up into the, the monster. It was very visceral. It was very well, intense. And the, the one who played his on-screen sister was there and you could see like where she still had the damage on her face from the uh, chimpanzee attack. And so like kind of giving a little extra foreshadowing there and yeah, watching like listening to the crowd turn from being really excited to those like moments of panic to then like everything's gone wrong. And you get the point of view shot of when they go inside and that's like the moment that it's confirmed that this is a... Uh, a beast and not a ship like it's a it was yeah. a great way to do the reveal to cinch the reveal yeah and it's like now and so and the news crews and stuff show up like an entire yeah, group of people news crews, what happened news, <laughs> yeah and then there's there's that tmz reporter who's like on the <laughs> on on the the ranch he's like do you guys know what happened and he's like a real huge jerk about it i don't know who, an electric who bike it really that? worked well yeah and he's on an electric bike so he you know, he gets straight up, you know, his bike just dies when he gets close to the uh, the monster. And um, Daniel Kaluuya figures out that if you're not looking directly at it for some reason, it, it won't come after you. I don't. Well, this was like a, okay, so like a little says, bit of a weird thing. Well, no, he says uh, I, you hear him. He kind of mutters it to himself at a few different like times. And so he, he like makes a comment at one point in time when you hear like the. uh when you hear Jean Jacket uh, uh, screeching, and he's like, mm-hmm. and he makes a comment about it marking its territory. And then yeah. finally, when he's explaining it to all them, he's like, every every animal's got rules. It's got a code that it abides by. Yeah. And so it's sort of that whole thing where, like, if you stare down a predator, mm-hmm. then the uh, predator is more likely to be aggressive because then you're challenging it for its territory. And he's saying that, uh, you know, Jean Jacket has claimed the whole valley as his territory. And so by and so he figured that out when he was riding away, if he didn't look down, whereas like the horse that uh, the plastic horse is looking up when it gets eaten. Um, every time something gets eaten, you realize even back when uh, Keith David dies at the beginning, he's staring off into the sky, trying to figure out what's going on with the weather and looking mm-hmm. up. Yeah. So, so he figures it out and then he, they're going to, now they have all, they have this whole system. They make this complicated system and you'll see the movie, you'll see it, um, how, of how they're going to get the good film of the good film of the monster and how they're yeah, going to do it. Some real home alone strategy. Trade, strategy trade, off, trade off, um, stuff like that. And so anyway, at the end of the day, 
they they end up getting um everything gets screwed up. <laughs> they their their plan doesn't work quite the way they wanted. Uh, Michael Wincott just goes crazy and <laughs> it's basically like it take the me dream to shot. take me to space monster. Um, the the brand, uh, Angel Torres the 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 Fry's tech is also there filming and he gets all messed up a couple quite a few different ways. You think he's going to get eaten like seven different times, but he never does. I like wow. that. Should we give that final they, part away? They they made it they made it seem like he was going to get killed <laughs> and and then like and he was a very expendable character so it subverted your expectations to have him not get killed well and then when he wraps I, himself in barbed wire and you figure out what he's doing it's like oh yeah, yeah. and he's, it was cool how yes. that played into what happens yes he was once he saw the barbed wire fence he like held on to it and got all wrapped up in it yep and um then so then the the monster unfurls that shows it's uh has another form it's like jellyfish like looks really cool well um, you remember what happened spe- it, it got well, torn apart well, We'll talk about visual spectacle in in a second, I think, um, about the shape of this. But then a couple cool things about this last scene. Um, Kiki Palmer does an Akira slide, which I appreciate. Appreciate the reference. Um, Does an Akira slide into Jupiter's uh, claim. Let's go of Jupiter's giant um, uh, giant balloon, which has big eyes on it. So, you know, the monster gets confused. It tries to eat the giant balloon. Doesn't like balloon. Balloon explodes. Um, but she's, she's also, there's a, there's a, uh, attraction there that lets you crank to, to take pictures and she's just cranking it to try to take as many pictures as possible, trying to yeah, get like a wishing a well. shot. So that's, and that's basically the end of the movie. Then uh, Daniel Kaluuya shows up kind of unexpectedly. You thought he might've died and uh, then that's it. Um, okay. I have a question for you. The- thematically, what themes did you like in this movie? Uh, okay. I can so- go. So oh, uh, the one the theme I so the the biggest theme that I really enjoyed was um the whole uh uh OJ uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character um mm-hmm. the way that at the beginning it made him seem uh uh like he was like less than and yeah, the like more the movie kinda, goes he's... along the more you realize it's just his skills and his sensibilities lie elsewhere. And mm-hmm. so like that whole like his ability to understand nature and his ability to understand you know animals. Uh, animals and their world and how everybody else wasn't able to think like that. And yeah. so like that whole like man living harmoniously with beast, um, man understanding beast like that, the man versus nature angle I thought was really good. So my favorite angle was like the addiction that people have to um to spectacle um there's a there's a so there's a theme that wraps throughout the whole movie even this the even the gordy's home play storyline um where like we as humans are addicted to like big spectacles and also the glory that comes with that so like throughout this whole movie what drive what is driving uh oj is that he wants to save the ranch but what's driving m it's definitely the glory of getting the shot right what's driving angel he wants to see what's driving antlers he wants to get the shot what's driving jupiter he wants to to meet the alien like the spectacle the the exploitation this this addiction to getting the shot and being the person who gets the credit for it is really driving a lot of these characters to this to their doom well the way he foreshadows it talking about because um he lets uh there's this part where kiki palmer and oj uh and uh so oj and m are uh talking to jupe in his office and he lets him into that back room with all the memorabilia 
Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how, like, you know, normally people pay for the privilege of coming to this room. I had a right. couple from like Denmark pay me like ten thousand dollars to spend the night here or something. And like Weird. then you're thinking this it's is like, a room where the big thing they focus on is the shoe that has the blood from that was the standing straight up it. and down. Yeah. Right. The the um, the idea that like we are addicted to like tragedy and grimness and uh like they ask like what's a spectacle what's a ba- at what, any cost. What's a bad miracle? Right. Yeah. Um that's the like this theme of like exploitation and and like spectacle is like the cool the coolest theme in this movie to me. Now, does that theme hit as hard for me as the themes in us or get out? No. I it didn't resonate with me quite as much. Um, maybe because I don't watch cable news, you know, or maybe because I um I I try really hard not to doom scroll Twitter or get in the Facebook loop, you know. Those are those are things that so the, I understand what he was saying and I like appreciate it, but it like it wasn't for me as much. Um, but I do think like it was really cool for one other reason, which is like this movie, uh, Jordan Peele got given a huge budget to make uh, something really spectacular, to make like a movie that should be seen in, in theaters on the largest screen possible. And it really stands in stark contrast to like, I, I, I'm going to take the first thing that came to mind, The Avengers. You know, like it just stands in stark yeah, contrast. Or the new Top Gun, like, right? Which are just like, I like that those movies exist. I like that people enjoy those movies and can great get great joy from them. That is cool to me. But like the the original storytelling in this movie is just so much more interesting. And like this movie is jo- is Jaws for looking at the sky. Yes, you know? like it, that's it, exactly it, what it is. It's it's like it. Another thing, too, is is that the final scene in this movie takes place in complete daylight. Do you know how hard it is to make a movie absolutely terrifying and scary when you are watching it in light? Every scary movie – think about every scary movie you watch. It's in the dark because the dark is scary and light is not scary. This movie brings horror into the daylight, which is nearly an impossible task, and it does it successfully. I cannot stress how how cool that is. Yeah, like they didn't go to a cabin in the woods. They didn't go to a, a a strange, eerie hotel up on the bluff. They didn't go to an island resort. This is their house. And it's no, no, this is this other creature is claiming it as its territory. This is at your home. This is in daylight. This is you can't run away from it. It is where you would be trying to run to. I, yeah, I thought that was really clever and well done. The other thing is, man, there are some really cool shots in this. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. did uh, you, shot did of you see taking it? the did pictures over it? and over from the well. Yeah, did you see an IMAX? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I did not, and I heard it's better in IMAX. I saw it on a really big screen, but it was not IMAX. Yeah, I saw it in IMAX. I thought visually it benefited some from it. Um, the big thing is audio. The sound mixing on this is so on point. The uh, the way that like you're like at first because the weather rolls in, you're like, is that the thunderstorm or is that the uh, the alien? Is that the uh, sound of the horse uh, running into the valley or is that something else? Like it does this really good job of like layering sound and giving you a lot of sensory interest on a lot of different levels. Um, it's okay. a really clever movie. What did you, anything else you want to say before we rate it? 
no, I just I, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, which is it did a great job of having the uh, the visual, the audio, the sensory, the spectacle of a blockbuster while still having like a really strong message and not shoving it down your throat, just like kind of pounding the table on it a couple times, you know? Um, yeah, uh, for me, absolutely perfect sound. The sound in this movie is incredible. You already said that. Um, the visuals are amazing. Um, for me, I like that Peel is such a confident storyteller that he has such a clear voice and he is, and he is making mm. something that you can watch and interpret. Like, I think that that's really powerful for me. This movie suffers a little bit. It's not perfect. I think like get out and us are, were better entries in the peel canon. That doesn't mean I think this movie is bad. I'm a really hard grader because I want, when I give something a five to mean something and I want, when I get like, I want my ratings to have meaning. And if I'm just like a five is, I like it. A four is, I kind of like it. A three is a, eh, a two. Like, you know what I mean? I want a five to be like, this movie's in the pantheon for me. I would, put in nope was just not quite there for me i gave it a four i thought it was a really good movie um i i will say this when i first saw us i gave it a four and when i rewatched it i bumped it up to four and a half and i do have a feeling that's going to happen when i rewatch this movie <laughs> so because because i think i'm gonna i'm gonna like find more things um jordan peele is so talented at giving like you said before putting small things into his movies that let you um things and i just think that's what's going to happen with this movie the more i think about it the more i like it i think when i watch it again i'm just gonna it's gonna work its way up one more one more little spot for me so yep there you go that's so yeah my review of nope so for me a five out of five is a movie that i think is technically perfect or near perfect and hits me on an emotional level a four and a half is a movie that is technically perfect an excellent movie in all ways but i don't connect with it completely a four is a movie that's technically very, very, very strong. Very good movie, deserving of awards. Um, doesn't really speak to me on a big emotional level, but just an excellent movie I'd recommend to anyone. Get Out was a five. Us is a four and a half. Nope is a four. And that's where I'm sitting. Yeah. I think I'm going to. And all they're all great are, movies. All those, all those movies are going to end up being four and a half for me, I think, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day. Um, but yeah. All right, that's it. So uh, well, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys. In- that was a long movie club. <laughs> I, I think I did too much plot summary. I, I'll cut down on that next time because uh, ne- we're going to do another new movie and I, I'll remember for next week. All right, see you next week. That's Go okay. Hawks. I'm betting there's less plot.